this isn't the real Caesar's Palace, is it? What do you mean? Did Caesar live here? Um, no. I don't think so. I went to Vegas last weekend. Pretty crazy. Vegas, baby, Vegas! Gentlemen, welcome to Las Vegas. Why don't you give me half the money you were gonna bet? Then we'll go out back, I'll kick you in the nuts, and we'll call it a day. Some guys just can't handle Vegas. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 44 of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast. My name is Jeff, and I'll be your tour guide for this podcast trip to what I like to think of as one of the best cities on the planet, fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. To start, I want to thank Michael Hall from the National Atomic Testing Museum for joining me on the last episode of the show to talk about Las Vegas's nuclear history, the atomic culture that grew in the 1950s and 60s, and to tell us all about the hidden gem that is the National Atomic Testing Museum. If you haven't had a chance to check it out yet, jump into the archives wherever you get your podcasts and check out episode number 43, Kaboom! Also, thanks to everyone who's taken the time to partake in the audience survey. I've gotten lots of great feedback, but I'm always interested in what you have to say. Click the link direct from the website or in the show notes and share your honest thoughts and opinions on the podcast. All right, on to the show. We begin with Vegas news you can use. Get ready for another big residency announcement. This time around, it's CeeLo Green who's going to be making Las Vegas home for multiple shows in 2020. CeeLo, best known for his hit songs Forget You and Crazy, which was released while he was with Gnarls Barkley, is getting set to open his Man in the Mirror show at the Flamingo beginning March 24th. Now, this isn't CeeLo's first rodeo when it comes to Las Vegas. He held residency for a run of shows at Planet Hollywood back in 2013. And for the upcoming residency, he's got five shows planned for March, three for April, and eight for August. Tickets for the shows, as well as VIP meet and greets, are on sale right now at Ticketmaster.com slash Vegas. Fans of karaoke, listen up. The first high-end karaoke ultra lounge on the Las Vegas Strip is in the final stages of preparation for an early 2020 opening. Kamu Ultra Karaoke is set to bring its upscale experience to the Grand Canal shops at the Venetian in February of next year with 40 unique and customizable karaoke suites, a catalog of thousands of songs from around the world, and the option to stream and sing along with your own music from personal phones and devices via Bluetooth and Wi-Fi connections. Guests can also use the suites as private e-gaming suites or for business meetings. Kamu's Kitchen will be headed up by celebrity chef Chris O, and the full-service bar is expected to have a massive cocktail menu and VIP bottle service will also be available. For more info and details, visit kamukaraoke.com. And after sitting undeveloped for years, plans are in the work to build a new casino and hotel just east of the Las Vegas Strip. Clark County commissioners have approved zoning permits for a 60-acre site in the area of Koval Lane and Harmon Avenue, just west of where the Hard Rock, soon-to-be Virgin Hotel, sits. Developers are working on plans that would include high-rise towers, a shopping center, and a five-level underground parking garage. 
Now, fans of bad early 2000s reality TV will recognize the site as being home to ICE, the off-strip nightclub that was the setting of the Spike TV show, The Club. ICE has sat vacant since 2006, and there's currently no official start date for construction of this new project. And that's Vegas news you can use. On to the show. For this episode, I've got another world-famous Jeff Does Vegas trip report to share. It's a rundown of my most recent trip, trip number 7 of 2019, from November 17th to the 20th. As in past reports, I'm going to run through some of the highlights and lowlights of the trip, including reviews of my hotel and some of the restaurants I ate at. I got to take in another Vegas Golden Knights hockey game, so I've got some thoughts on how the NHL hockey experience has evolved in Las Vegas. I'll share what it's like to arrive in Sin City on Rock and Roll Marathon weekend, and I've got a few random thoughts on a few other things I spotted over the course of my visit. So without any further ado, let's do this. I'm going to begin with my hotel. This time around, I was happy to be staying at a hotel that I've never stayed at before, Planet Hollywood. I scored a great rate on one of their ultra-hip king rooms. I was way up on the 35th floor, so a nice high room, on the east side of the building facing away from the strip. Personally, I prefer the non-strip view rooms. I do tend to find them a little bit quieter than the rooms facing the Strip, and honestly, as cool as it is to look out over the Vegas Strip, I'm not there for the view from my hotel room. The room had a great layout and was super spacious with a full set of drawers for storage, a big closet, a fridge for guest use not being used as a mini bar, and a couple of great seating spots for lounging or working. The bed was amazingly comfortable, and the bathroom was huge with a giant soaker tub and separate shower. I recently heard some people say that they thought the rooms in Planet Hollywood could use a bit of an update, but I didn't get that feeling. I found the go rooms at the Flamingo and some of the resort rooms at Bally's to be way more outdated. Planet Hollywood also has the advantage of being attached to the Miracle Mile shops, meaning you've got a ton of restaurants and shopping right downstairs, so you're never going to have to go far for food or supplies. Planet Hollywood itself is also home to a bunch of great restaurants right on the casino level, including one of my favorites, Gordon Ramsay Burger. The only real downside I found to the property was that it felt easy to get turned around trying to make your way from the elevators to the Vegas Strip or from the Strip back to the elevators. Now, that could have just been my own terrible sense of direction, too. Also, I think I might have found one of the only places as or more expensive to drink than the Chandelier Bar at the Cosmopolitan. The Heart Bar in Planet Hollywood is a bit on the pricier side. $15 for a vanilla vodka and ginger ale? That's a wee bit steep for me to make this a regular drinking spot. All in all, though, I love Planet Hollywood. The place has a great vibe, there's a ton of amenities right on site, and being just south of Center Strip, the location is fantastic. I will absolutely stay there again and would definitely recommend it to people. Now, on to what is probably my favorite Las Vegas topic, food. On this trip, I managed to squeeze in a couple of new spots that I've been meaning to hit on past trips and haven't had the chance to do so. 
And I also visited a couple of regular spots, including one of my favorites that's just wrapping up a huge addition to the property. Let's begin with the new spots. We'll start with Egg Slut. Egg Slut is a breakfast spot located up on the second floor of the Cosmopolitan. They serve a good variety of specialty breakfast sandwiches and are best known for what they call the slut, which is a coddled egg on a potato puree poached in a jar served with slices of baguette. I've been meaning to try egg slut on my last few trips as I'd read tons of great reviews about the place and I've seen people on various Vegas Facebook groups rave about how great it is. However, the line is always massive. I figured that maybe if I went early enough in the morning, I'd beat the line. I got there at about 20 after 7. The line was already huge. I spent about 20 minutes waiting to order and then about another 10 minutes or so waiting for my food. I tried the Fairfax sandwich, which is scrambled eggs and chives, cheddar cheese, caramelized onions, and sriracha mayo on a brioche bun. Was it good? Sure. Was it worth waiting a half hour for? I gotta say no. Honestly, I've had better, faster, and cheaper breakfast elsewhere. For example, Earl of Sandwich, right in Planet Hollywood, where you can score a huge breakfast burrito fully loaded for $4.99. This, as opposed to my Fairfax from Egg Slut, which ran me close to $10. Frankly, my opinion, Egg Slut didn't live up to the hype, and I can honestly say that it won't be on my list of recommendations. Next up, I had a chance to check out a great locals steakhouse and bar on this trip, a place called Herbs and Rye. Located on West Sahara Avenue, well off the strip, this place is best known for their classic handcrafted cocktails and their incredible late night happy hour, which is what I was there to partake in. Here's the deal. Between midnight and 3 a.m., selected steaks on their menu are 50% off, meaning that I was able to snag a fantastic New York strip for just $22 instead of the usual $44. The steak was cooked perfectly, as were the asparagus spears that I had as my side. The atmosphere at Herbs and Rye, very old Vegas. The service was excellent. If you have a chance to get off the strip and check it out, I would highly recommend that you do so. Now, on to my regular haunts that I like to recommend to folks. Speaking of happy hours, I took in the happy hour at Grand Lux Cafe in the Venetian. Grand Lux is always one of my go-tos as they have a giant menu and something for everyone. But doing it during happy hour was a huge bonus. They do their happy hour from 4 to 6.30 p.m., and they offer up well drinks for $6.95, selected cocktails for $6.7 and $8.95, and draft beer for $4.50, as well as a decent selection of appetizers for $6.95. As such, I was able to have a beer and the chicken quesadilla, which was more than enough food for me, for just $12 before the tip. I was also lucky enough to be invited over to Ellis Island to check out The Front Yard, which is their new indoor-outdoor two-level venue located right at the front of the building along Koval Lane. If you hop into the archives and go all the way back to episode number 27 and listen to my conversation with Christina Ellis from Ellis Island, she told us all about it. The front yard is a very cool spot. It's open air up around the tops of the walls, which allows lots of fresh air in. The roof is retractable so they can let in the sun or block it off, whichever works better on that particular day. And it's got a great view of the backside of the strip. 
The front yard features its own special menu and signature cocktails. Plus, you've got access to all the amazing beers that Ellis Island brews right on site. I had the poutine, which I must say for non-Canadian poutine was pretty damn good. I also had the draft stout, the light draft beer, and of course, a brewed on-site root beer. All of it, fantastic. The most exciting thing about the front yard, though, is what it's going to do for Ellis Island as far as hosting events. With a massive projection screen at one end of the venue and at least a dozen big screen TVs elsewhere throughout, it's going to become a major destination for watching sports. So that's a big thing to look forward to. The place also features a huge bar and tons of video poker, as well as a good-sized stage for hosting live music and events. Next time you're in town, I'd highly recommend going to check out the front yard at Ellis Island. And before I close out the topic of food, I just want to share a little love for another spot that's become a favorite of mine, Rira Irish Pub at Mandalay Bay. Don't get me wrong, I still love Nine Fine Irishmen at New York, New York, especially for a pregame meal before heading to T-Mobile for a Golden Knights game, but Rira is very quickly winning me over. I like to describe it as being authentically Irish. They take the time to do the proper perfect pour on their Guinness. The butter that they serve with the Irish soda bread is actual Kerrygold butter from Ireland, and even a good portion of the staff are Irish. The whiskey cabinets are from an old jewelry store in Dublin. The stained glass in the floor is from a church in Ireland. The stone top bar is made from limestone from Kilkenny. And the front bar was actually built in Ireland, disassembled, transported to Vegas, and reassembled at Mandalay Bay. Not to mention, the food is incredible. I usually have the bangers and mash, but decided to switch it up this time around. Had the beef and Guinness stew instead. Absolutely Amazing. Definitely go check out Rira for yourself. All right, let's talk hockey. It just so happened that this trip coincided with the Calgary Flames visit to Vegas to take on the Golden Knights. So upon landing in Vegas and getting settled, I took to StubHub to see if I could find a decent priced last minute single ticket to the game. And somewhat to my surprise, I was able to snag a seat in the second level for about $50 with fees and taxes. I should add here that even though Calgary is where I live, I don't cheer for the Flames. My teams are Winnipeg and Vegas, so I dressed appropriately for this game, decked out in my Golden Knights gear. I got to say, I am proud of how Vegas has evolved as a hockey city. As I've said in past episodes, I was fully expecting hockey to be a failure in Las Vegas with an arena full of visiting team fans or worse, an arena that was consistently half empty like they are in other non-traditional hockey markets like Phoenix and Florida. That is nowhere near the case for Vegas. The local fans are hockey smart, they're dedicated to their team, and they are loud. They absolutely love their Vegas Golden Knights. And you can tell they're turning into real hockey fans too because they complain about the refs not calling a penalty every time one of their players gets knocked down by the opposition. Now, to be fair, they don't complain quite as much as Montreal Canadiens fans or Toronto Maple Leafs fans, but they're getting there. 
As for the in-game experience at T-Mobile Arena, there is no better place to watch hockey in the NHL. The music is loud, the on-screen videos are fantastic, and the pre-game presentation is incredible. And with the exception of a couple of young ladies who'd clearly been over-served and were acting a little obnoxious, Golden Knights fans were extremely gracious to the Flames fans who'd just come to town to watch their team get stomped 6-0. If you ever find yourself in Vegas when the Golden Knights are playing, even if you're not a hockey fan, hop onto Axis, StubHub, or Flash Seats and see if you can score tickets to a game. You will not regret it. We're just about done here, and as always, I like to wrap up my trip reports with a few little odds and ends and random thoughts. First off, this isn't really Vegas related in as much as it's a general packing tip. I need to apologize to anyone I've ever mocked for using packing cubes. Up until recently, I thought they were ridiculous and pointless. Why would I need something like that? I know how to pack a suitcase. I'm fine. Well, after struggling through trying to jam everything into my suitcase after my Grand Canyon trip a few weeks ago while watching my wife easily pack hers using packing cubes, I immediately ordered a set for myself from Amazon. And I have to say, I love them. It made packing for this trip so much simpler and easier. I would highly recommend getting a set for yourself. And again, to anyone I've ever made fun of for this, I sincerely apologize. You were right. I was wrong. Secondly, I made a rookie mistake and once again failed to follow my own advice on this trip when it comes to checking to see what events might be going on in the city while you're there. I had the misfortune of arriving in Vegas on the second day of the Rock and Roll Marathon weekend, which is a huge event that sees somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 to 35,000 participants and their supporters show up for a variety of marathons, including a full and half marathon, a 10K, and a 5K all of which involve completely closing the strip to vehicle traffic in the early afternoon and blocking pedestrians from crossing anywhere other than the pedestrian bridges. Luckily, I arrived in town in the late morning, meaning I missed the total shit show of trying to get to my hotel after the streets were all closed. However, Vegas police had begun to close the roads, meaning the nightmares were starting. But my Lyft driver, a 35-year Vegas resident and former cab driver, was amazing. He knew some great back routes and managed to get me over to Planet Hollywood with next to no delay. So again, always be sure to do a quick Vegas events check before planning your next Vegas trip. And finally, based on what I witnessed on this trip regarding pedestrian behavior, I feel it necessary to share this little tidbit from a past episode once again. I'd like to share a little public service announcement slash safety message for this episode. Please learn how to cross the street in Las Vegas. It's simple. If the light says don't walk, then don't walk. I saw no less than a dozen near misses between cars and pedestrians, and in every single one of them, the pedestrian would have been at fault. You are in a strange city. You're unfamiliar with the traffic patterns and the light patterns. The Vegas Strip has some really weird turning lights and hidden entrances and exits where it looks safe to cross, and you might think it's all free and clear, but all of a sudden, you're halfway across the street and you've got cabs flying at you. And trust me, they will stop for nothing. They will honk at you and hope you get out of the way. So again, 
If the sign says, don't walk, don't walk. And that officially brings to a close another episode of the podcast. If you've got feedback on this episode of the show, or any other episode for that matter, feel free to reach out to me via Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at JeffDoesVegas, or drop me an email directly at Jeff at WalkerNewMedia.com. As for my next Vegas trip, the countdown is already on. Coming up December 15th to 19th, it's my annual Las Vegas birthday trip. My wife is going to be joining me on this one, and we've already got our sights set on a few shows, including Atomic Saloon at the Venetian and Bronx Wanderers at the Link, as well as some shopping, eating, and spending time with our Vegas family so we can deliver some amazing Canadian treats to them just in time for Christmas. In the meantime, thank you so much for checking out the show. Be sure to subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know the moment new episodes are available. Make sure to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Podbean. And don't forget to visit jeffdoesvegas.com for past episodes and show notes, including links to all the spots I mentioned in this episode of the show. My name is Jeff, and this has been episode number 44 of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast. Thank you.